This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country download from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country with me, Helen Mark. At the beginning, none of us knew each other and all we talked about was how we were feeling unwell or the experience yeah. we've had of being unwell. Yeah. And now we're not. Now we're talking about each other yeah, and, about and about the landscape and things other than being unwell. And that's really because nice. Yeah. feel better for having, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's difficult to define. I didn't know what it was going to involve. I own the fact that we're going to be coming to Stonehenge. What activities we're going to be doing? I didn't well, know. Well, that's the other thing that surprised me. How many different things yeah. there are each week, yeah. and how different people in the group have embraced certain activities. One of the things I've hated is the really self-conscious singing and doing actions. But I've loved the walking and talking. These people, for the last ten weeks, have been steeped in the ancient prehistory of the Wiltshire landscape. And it culminates today in an exceptionally rare access to within the inner ring of Stonehenge. Now, these people, they're not Druids, they're not New Agers, they're not archaeologists. These are local Wiltshire residents who have long-term mental health problems. And they're taking part in a project which is called Human Henge. I'm just walking at the end of the line. I'm behind Chris and Louise. This is the end of something very different for you to be involved in, Chris, isn't it? How how would would you describe what you've been doing? It's been really interesting. In the past, my work was to do with getting people out and about in fresh air to get them healthy. And so I've ended up doing something quite similar again. And it is really noticeable how, like, being outside in such a... I think because we've taken so long exploring the area and very gradually getting to know it you can get real sense of being outside and in the open air and the idea of exploring somewhere which is really good and somewhere so ancient and then bringing it all together in this central collection of ancient stones yeah how does that feel louise it's been absolutely brilliant it's been it's got me in closer to nature and that i've enjoyed every friday you know coming here and that and going somewhere different you know it's actually given me a purpose in life For this week's Open Country, I've come to join them as they prepare to enter that inner sanctum of Stonehenge. It's the only Saracen stone in the whole of Stonehenge group which isn't worked into shape. It's a completely natural stone. It's got a connection back with the landscape and all the things. I just love history and that, and just interacting with history has been brilliant. And I'd love to do it again if it ever comes round. Laura Drysdale, you are with the Restoration Trust and you've been part of this project from the very start. Can you talk to me a little bit about how this Human Henge project came about and and your part in it? Well, I run this charity called the Restoration Trust and we do projects which are working with people with mental health conditions but connecting them up to art, culture and heritage. But I've got a special interest in heritage. So one of our trustees used to be the curator at Stonehenge and was involved in setting up the exhibition. And we just thought, oh, this is a superb place to do a project in the landscape and where you're connecting people with ideas about the past, where also there's a kind of social justice issue about local people feeling entitled to use this place. 
I think there's a sort of separation sometimes between a site that's as extraordinary as this and what it means to live next door to it. Then it came to fruition, thanks to the Heritage Lottery Fund. Human Henge is an interesting name, isn't it? Why Human Henge? Sometimes this landscape looks like a rather abstract, featureless place of massive great lumps of stone, but of course it isn't. It embodies the stories of people we don't know, people who we do know. Some of our participants have had lifelong connections with this place. It's meant something to them all their lives, both positive and negative. And it's everything to do with the story of people in the landscape. You know, that's the motivator. That's the power of what this place is. It's what it means to humans and what it means to be human, to have memories, to think about what it meant to go back and back and back in the past and what it means to live now. It also stands, if you like, on the entranceway into the central part of Stonehenge because in a minute we'll go through and have a look. But you'll see that it stands in this position. It's good to have access to like an expert like Tim, Professor Tim of Stonehenge. <laughs> um, yeah, it's amazing just to be able to ask the person the questions about about it. Now, we're actually standing now on what was an old road just a few years ago. The road's been taken up and it's been repaved with this uh, soil and grass now, so it's it's a much better place to come and see it. And back in the 1970s, a new telephone cable was being put in along the on this road. And when they did that, they found the socket for a second stone, literally just in the ground. In fact, you can probably just see the, the slightly darker grass growing over the top of it. Just in the edge of the road line, they find the socket for another stone. So we have to imagine a situation where originally there wasn't one sarsen, but two. I can't go with the group into that inner circle because it's a very private ceremony just for themselves but I can stand at the boundary of Stonehenge and I'm with Professor Tim Darvel of Bournemouth University. Tim you, you are one of the world's leading authorities on Stonehenge and you've been deeply involved in what is happening here and, and over the, the 10 weeks leading up to this. It's absolutely wonderful that they're going through now to the, the final moment of their journey through the Stonehenge landscape. And over the 10 weeks, what we've tried to do is explore that landscape, piece by piece, monument by monument, spending time at these places, engaging with them, thinking about how prehistoric people would have used them, not trying to recreate those activities, but trying to think our way back into the landscape so that we experience it. And it gives us, if you like, sustenance and nourishment as to how we see the world today. It's a very new thing to be doing in this particular landscape. Can places like this really help people who have you know, long-term mental illness? There's two reasons for, for doing this in the landscape. First is that we think that Stonehenge in particular was a site of healing in the past. And this is something which we've come to understand because of our research on the stones, on the way that they were brought from Wales, on the associations and folklore and traditions that go with them. So we think in the ancient past, back in the Neolithic, around about 3000 BC through to about 1500 BC or so, Stonehenge was itself a place of pilgrimage and a place of healing in its later phases. So that provided us, if you like, with the starting point for wondering whether we can bring them to use today in contemporary society to do similar things. Now, there's already quite a body of research that suggests that mental health can be assisted, or the well-being of mental health patients can be assisted by, for example, using animals, by using experiences like uh, walking in the natural world, in woods and places. And we thought, well, perhaps we can bring 
some of our ancient monuments back into use in exactly this way. So Stonehenge was a, a fantastic starting point for this because we already had the theory that in prehistoric times it performed in this exact way. So it was a natural place to start this experiment. And what we've done is to do two iterations, each of 10 sessions, each with a group of about 15 people, and we shall see what the benefits are. That's uh, an it's a piece of research that's yet to be done. But what we want to do is to try and make good use of our ancient monuments in new and innovative ways. And I think the experiences that these people have had coming here and exploring the landscape in, in quite a different way to what we would normally do has actually given them a depth of insight and a depth of experience. And I hope it's increased their well-being as a result. Because it's not just the stones which are now being lashed with rain as we are. <laughs> it's, the, it's the wider landscape around us. They have been exploring it, learning, and investing themselves in yes. it and gravitating towards this central yes. core. Yes. The visit to Stonehenge today is the culmination of those 10 weeks of exploring the landscape. And what we wanted to do was not simply go there and talk about these places as archaeological sites. Certainly we need to introduce those ideas, but what we want to do is introduce those sites as places where people did things in the past. The arenas for their ceremonies, the places in which they gathered together to meet each other, to trade, to exchange, the monuments that they constructed as ceremonial places to look at the sky, to look at the earth, to feel the AF, to feel the atmosphere, to feel the environment. I'm just standing at one of the outer pillars of Stonehenge and the participants of this group, they're all within the inner sanctum of this place. We would more often associate in the modern day seeing people in great flowing druid robes. This is not like that at all. This is a very personal experience for these people. It is intimate and their own personally devised ceremonies. These are local residents, people who live close to Stonehenge but possibly have never had access to it like this before. And they're calling out as sort of almost claiming it for themselves. We've been allowed to just walk through the gap of the outer ring and be just a little bit closer with the group. Lots of smiling faces, there's photographs being taken. Some just standing between the stones and getting their photographs taken because this is a very special moment. Claire. Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, now you were, were playing the tambourine even right down at the heelstone. I could hear the rattle of the tambourine, so you're obviously giving it welly. <laughs> How are you feeling? Oh, it's lovely. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it was like being within the circle? Just... At this moment. They were a lot bigger than I thought they were going to be. A lot bigger. And I'm afraid, I know that you don't want, you want nice words, but bloody big is the word that keeps coming over time and time again. They're so bloody big. You feel a bit overwhelmed by them. They're brilliant, yeah. yeah. And it's so lovely being in, a, being in just us, with all, all our group, where we all trust each other and know each other. And it's just so lovely. And singing, and this is just shaking because it makes lots of noise and it can shake all the bad spirits out and makes it all feel good. There you go, nice little hickey-dum for you. <laughs> People use this place for all sorts of different reasons, and you as a group have used it for your own reasons, for your own personal health. 
Yeah. Do you feel it has impacted on your own personal health? Oh, absolutely. This course has just been amazing. Every Friday, I've looked forward to coming out, and every Friday, I've been with this group, and we've all formed a bond, and it's just been... It's been so... I suppose cathartic, yes. We've managed, to, we've managed to form a group and get to know each other and get our feelings out. And being in here is just, is just the icing on the cake. It's lovely. I just wish it wasn't ending. <laughs> Could you have done it without the landscape, though? No, definitely. And with these, it just reminds you it's all to do with sound and air and the, the element of water coming from the sky. We've been rained on, we've had the wind blowing on us. We're not allowed to eat or drink in here, but it would have been nice if we could have shared some, broken some bread and shared some water like they would have done in the olden days. But no, this is, um, this is pretty special and I feel very blessed to be part of it. Can I ask if you feel your mental health is going to be better because of this? Can I? Yes, OK. When I first came to this group, I was feeling a little unwell. I'm now a lot better than I was. And a lot of that is down to the fact that I feel I've made some friends here who all understand what I've been going through. We've all been in the same boat and it's just been really good walking and talking with people of the same, in the same sort of place that I've been in and not feeling that I'm different to anybody else, not feeling that we're special, just we, we're all so similar. And walking through the landscape and just being able to walk and talk gently and have experts tell us what we're looking at as well and the most important thing to me has been the fact the experts have treated us like we're grown-ups with an intelligence that's still there. And just because we've had depression or anxiety or whatever it is doesn't mean that you don't have a brain anymore. And it's been really nice being spoken to like grown-ups rather than children in a corner. And... Oh, that's the security clicking yes. in now, isn't it? And he's touching his watch, reminding us it's time we've got to go <laughs> and our special time's like, yes, and he's gesturing. Special time is we over. better yeah. go. We'll walk this way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's all right. <laughs> the bus is just headed off with some of the participants, but I'm going to walk back with the rest who are braving the lashing rain. Claire's walking alongside me now. The rest of the group up ahead. I'm trying to persuade everybody it's cleansing water. <laughs> and this is magic Stonehenge rain, so it's not real rain, it's special rain. And we're very lucky. <laughs> and we've just been having a, half, a glass half full, half empty conversation. And this is definitely for me a half full conversation. We've got lovely water coming out of the sky and we're blessed by it. What makes the countryside green and lush? We should be grateful for it. <laughs> That's true. Would you like to introduce me to some others in the group, Claire? Yeah. yeah. This is Simon. Hello. 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 Simon. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. make a lot more sense. I'll leave you. I don't know about make more sense. I don't know about that. <laughs> So, are you from, you know, I'm close from, by, uh, Simon? Wiltshire, Wiltshire. I'm actually from the other side of Wiltshire, West Wiltshire. But I'd never been up to Stonehenge before. And I said, you don't tend to do it, do you? If it's on your doorstep, as it were, you take it for granted almost, really. Did you know much about the prehistoric history yes, of this land? Yes, I did know much about Yes, I did, yeah. and I've been up to Avery. The bus is coming again. 
if you just come as a visitor, you know, you come to the visitor centre, you get up on the bus, you go around the stones, you come back, you go home, and you go yeah. off again. Because we've had 10 weeks really explore the landscape, the barrows, the Cursus Monument, and all the rest of it. You know, it's been absolutely brilliant. That's been the best part of it, really. Not just the stones itself. So it, it's the it's the whole landscape yes, is important. Yeah. Yes, which stretches all around us. Yes. So we've been so we've been right over to the barrows mm-hmm. over that side. Yes, we can still see the stones. We walked a distance away, yeah. but they just they sit on the top of the gentle rise. So there's, there's always a profile of them as well. Which is against obviously the sky. why they are there, because you would see them if you were coming through. You'd always yeah. see them from, yeah. from whatever yeah. direction yeah. you came. Yeah. Now, you know, obviously I understand that the, as a group you've been making your way through the landscape, you've been with yeah. Professor Darville, which yeah. is a wonderful experience and learning. But it's not just about that, is it? It's no. About, it's about you, yourselves. Yes, yes. And this is the first time this has ever happened that they're using Stonehenge in this way. Yeah. Can you explain to me a little bit how you think this might help you? Has it helped? It has helped, yeah. This is something, sort of things that is going more and more in terms of what you might call therapeutic activities. I mean, the, the sort of the buzzword recently was ecotherapy. It's recognised how much, how good it is to get out into fresh air. It's very difficult. You have any kind of mental health problem. Your natural reaction is to shut yourself away, not go outside unless you absolutely have to. But I think once you get to the point where someone says, right, listen, you come out and you meet people who are who are similar to you, in that sense. No one is going to be looking at you in a funny way because you know, everyone is in the same kind of boat as far as that goes, you know. So I've done sort of things like this for the last sort of six, seven years. That's just going to mental health support groups, just going to a church hall or something, having a cup of tea, and then moving on from that, finding other, other things to do as well, which involves going outside, you know, going out into fresh air. And it is really is beneficial yes but this is different this is using the historic story of this yes. landscape yeah. oh yes and that that's what's different about it it is because you're actually looking at a landscape which has been occupied well everywhere's been occupied forever but it's been you can see the signs of when people have lived and died here but how's that going to help you I can't really explain it, it just, it just has, you know, it really has helped though, it really has helped. You really do get a sense of perspective actually. You know, you look at the world today, you look at the things going on and the troubles, but you look at the thousands of the years of human habitation in this mm-hmm. area. It does, you do really do get a sense of portion really. These people who lived here in the Neolithic period, they were human beings like us, they would have had the same kind of worries, same hopes and fears, just because they didn't have all the sort of technology and stuff we have today, which does cause its own stresses. That's the key thing to remember, they weren't, you know, that's, they were just human beings like us. Yes. Just gesturally, you know. So that helps you put things into yes, perspective? Yes, it does, absolutely. I'm standing here with Martin Olfrey, who is a curator with English Heritage. Why have English Heritage let this happen? And I'm sure people make requests to go inside the circle all the time. Why allow this one to happen? It's a project that we've been working with the Restoration Trust. And the reason that we wanted to do it at English Heritage, they came to us and said, we have this idea that we want to explore the impact that historic sites have on people's well-being. 
and you know, what better site than Stonehenge to do, to do something like that? And so the partnership is with the Restoration Trust and, and, and other groups in Wiltshire as well. And Bournemouth University is absolutely key to this. They are, if they're the rigour, if you like, they're the, they're the academic rigour with Tim Darville, who you've already heard, looking at the archaeology and, and the, this idea that Stonehenge is a place of healing. But also we wanted to get to the bottom of whether or not we can measure the benefit of coming to an historic site. We all know when we come to sites, it makes us feel better, even on a day like today, <laughs> when it's really windy and rain. Uh, I'm excited about being here. There's something just very special about coming to a place. It's, it's more than just coming out into the countryside. There's something about coming to a particularly prehistoric site where it somehow places you and it makes you think about the past it thinks about makes you think about where we are today there is something awe-inspiring about these stones and we just wanted to explore that with some academic rigor ben it's a really special group it is yeah it's not a group of people that, that, that knew each other when they first came here and um, because it's mental health a lot of people find it very difficult to socialize I mean, I've been doing this for about two and a half years. I've never seen a group come together quite as closely as this in, in such a short time. It's been extraordinary, actually. And do you I think, think it's the landscape, the place that's done that? Yeah, I do. And I, th I think partly it was, it was the anticipation, but partly it's the, it's the immersion in other people's world, you know, in, in the Bronze Age world. And, and it's taking yourself out of your own life and out of this society and feeling part of another society. And I think for people that don't always feel part of their own society, it's been it's been really really healing. Actually, it's been it's been really really good. The idea that you're saying yeah, people feel disconnected from the society that they're in because of their mental illness. Yeah. And that somehow the past is an aid. Yeah, it's it's helping people to to, to remember that it, that it is their past. You know, there's nothing less relevant about the Bronze Age or Stonehenge or any historical period to to somebody that's been socially isolated and mentally ill than it is to me as somebody that's really interested in, in history and it's giving history back to people that, that have disconnected from the now and I, I think it helps people to reconnect with now, it's, you know, it's, it's going to help people going forward to be more interested and be more involved and I think looking at how people behaved in the past and, and, and how people functioned in the past and how things have been done differently and, and how societies have been different it gives people hope for the future as well. I'm still sort of getting my head around it. I mean, I'm I'm here from from a staff point of view, and I'm I'm quite into into history. I'm Ben Ben Wellborn. I um I work for Richmond Fellowship, a mental health charity in Wiltshire. We do a lot of social inclusion work. My part of Richmond Fellowship is called the Community Link Service, which supports people that have, that have been very seriously mentally ill or, or are still to build up social networks again and, and get back into the community and, and feel part of that community again. And clients that we bring here have really, really, really benefited from, from being able to feel part of something bigger. But again, I, I, I also come from that heritage side as well because I, I, I run a mobile museum called Strange Old Things, um, which again does a lot of outreach and a lot of social inclusion work. So I, I'm sort of coming at this from both angles, from a mental health and from a heritage point of view. And I've really seen people engage in that Bronze Age world and, and, and get really involved in it. And I personally feel better having done it, which is kind of bizarre, but I feel personally I've got a lot out of this. I've seen people and spoken to people 
that feel more confident to do things like sing in I mean I've seen people sing in public I've seen people perform ceremonies which if you know the individuals if you know where they came from 10 weeks ago is mind-blowing really I've never seen people come on so quickly in such a short space of time so walking's a good therapy and when I was first on well I couldn't make myself go out and walk at all I just couldn't get out of the house and then I started doing a little bit of walking but walking in a group with supportive mm. people has been so much nicer yeah and they're talking about being in the group this is the first time in 20 years I've actually felt part of a group oh. and not on the outside but again, have it, having the space to be on the outside yeah. has been part of it, yeah. you know, but still feeling part of a group. Yeah. I, I do get out and socialise, I'm fortunate. I'm a brownie leader locally, but I still don't feel part of the group. Yeah. <laughs> no, I run, yeah. you know, but this has really helped me. And then perhaps we move forward and I feel very much the leader role this yeah. new confidence, yeah. newfound confidence. Well, hopefully we're all going to keep in touch, aren't we? Yeah. Well, we should do. Right? We're standing having this conversation and I'm on one side of the wattle and dog <laughs> yes, fence yes. With, with my arms resting yeah. on the pillars and you two are on the other side. It's like, yeah. it's like we're having a wee chat over yeah. the fence. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. nice feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently we've got bacon butties. Oh, yeah, come so on, let's go. Yeah, let's... <laughs>